Appreciate that, fellas. Thank you for that. Good song. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And uh, I want to preach this morning on what the Bible teaches about baptism. I, I, uh, I actually was through my notes, and I keep notes on everything. And in my office, I have a big stack of papers of all the messages that I preach, and I'll, know, I'll never go back and relook at the papers, but I got them all typed up, and so I go back, and I sometimes I'll, I'll filter through all those and just kind of look what I've preached, and, uh, uh, and, and I don't know that I've preached directly about baptism, um, at least not that I could find right away. Matter of fact, the last two outlines I found were both in Spanish, um, and I did not bring them this morning because I thought they're not going to help all. Matter of fact, the alliteration doesn't even work in, in English, so uh, I just threw those out. I'm like, well, those aren't going to help me much. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I thought it'd be good to, to look at what the Bible teaches about baptism. Matthew chapter 28 is a passage that is, uh, we, you may be familiar with it, I'm very familiar with it, uh, as we often call it the Great Commission. And uh, it's something that I know for a fact I've preached out of here at our church. And uh, we can clearly see what I believe is the purpose of the church. And I believe that's really important. Uh, Sometimes it is easy for us. uh, It's easy in our life. It's easy in many places. It's easy as a church even to get distracted from what our main thing is. And, uh, And so... It's, it's wise of us to go back and look at Matthew 28 uh, on occasion and be reminded what is the purpose of our church? What is Anchor Baptist Church doing right here in Maslin, Ohio? And I believe that's important. And as we think about this and look at this, uh, in the Great Commission is the very idea of baptism. And so I believe uh, it's something that is very important. Now listen, our church will have other things. We have a church picnic coming up this Saturday. And I hope you're able to make it. I hope you're able to bring a friend. Uh, We're looking forward to a good time. But listen, the purpose of Anchor Baptist Church is not just to have a picnic on Saturday. Um, That's a side benefit, and it's enjoyable. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the purpose of our church. Uh, the purpose of our church is not to have uh, the ladies get together and go see where the uh, see a butterfly farm. Okay, that might be an enjoyable thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the purpose of our church is far greater than that. In Matthew chapter number twenty-eight and verse number eighteen, the Bible says this: Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Let me just stop there because I absolutely love this verse. And uh, and Jesus is giving the idea, He's giving the thought that, listen, Jesus is all-powerful. And listen, Jesus, make no mistake about it, is the head of of the church. The Bible teaches that in the book of Ephesians. And he said that even in the book of Matthew, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And Jesus is all powerful because Jesus is God. So we can see that very clearly. He goes on in verse number 19 and he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the world. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me as we look at one of the fundamental truths of our church. Father, the purpose that our church is here. And God, I pray that you would just speak to each and every heart. And God, may we be ever so conscious of the responsibility and, uh, and the mission, really, that you have given to the church. God, I pray that you would make that our priority in our life. God, we know that the church is not this building, but it's made up of individual believers who have been saved and baptized. And and God, I pray that you would burden our hearts with the mission of getting the gospel to the lost and dying world, seeing them baptized and seeing them discipled and added unto the church. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage in verse number 19, he gives us the first things there. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That first go ye therefore and teach all nations is the idea of getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. And make sure that we understand, hey, that is our responsibility to evangelize the lost. We hear about that quite often, actually, in church. It's something that I try and emphasize because I believe, listen, I always need encouraged to evangelize and be a witness to lost people. Sometimes we get busy in our day and we go throughout our day and we don't always think about that. But may it be in the forefront of our minds to evangelize the lost. Listen, as a missionary, uh, that's one of the things I remember preaching quite regular because uh, that, was, that was what I was doing. I was going to South America and my purpose for going to South America was not to, uh, to educate them on on. on building a garden, because you wouldn't have wanted me to educate you on building a garden anyways. I'm terrible at it. But my goal in going to South America was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they too could hear how to be saved and born again. And listen, that's our responsibility as a church. That's our responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. And listen, that's not just in Peru, South America. That is right here in Massillon, Ohio. That's the people that live next door to you. That's the people that work beside of you. Uh, that's the people that, are, uh, that, that you're friends with around this area that we have a responsibility to evangelize the lost. And that's what he's saying. And I want you to notice, I've pointed this out many times and I'll continue. He says, go ye therefore. It's not something that you can do while you're sitting in the pew. It requires actually getting up and going with a purpose to witness to other people and give them a gospel track or give them uh, an encouragement or try and uh, point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the very first thing that we see here is evangelizing the lost. But the second thing I want you to notice, he says in this verse, is in verse number 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We're going to focus on that this morning. But I want you to understand that our mission is threefold there. Uh, It is to evangelize the lost. And we tend to push that, and that's important. And many times that gets mentioned. uh, But many times baptism is kind of, it's equally important because Jesus mentioned it. 
but it's not as often taught or, or, or talked about, and, but it is certainly something that is important that we would baptize people. So we see that given in the Great Commission. And lastly, as we look at this, he says in the verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now that's a big task. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We have an entire Bible that is full of the teachings of Jesus Christ, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, we, uh, we love the Old Testament just as much as we do the New Testament. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that many of those Old, Te- Old Testament uh, stories are illustrations giving us uh, the truths of the New Testament. And, uh, and can I tell you this morning that the reason that we have a Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night uh, is because, listen, teaching the the Word of God is a a very important task. It's something that that we need to focus on on a regular basis. I used to say this in Peru, and, uh, and, and the fact of the matter is every service is a little bit different. Sunday school is a little bit different than Sunday morning. Sunday night's a little bit different than Sunday morning. Wednesday night's is a little bit different than, uh, than Sunday's altogether. And, uh, and why is that? Because we strive to t- preach and teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. That's a big task. Uh, that's a big responsibility. And we find that that is equally important in what God has given the church to do. And so as we look at this passage, understand that All of this is the mission, it is the purpose of Anchor Baptist Church. We are here because we want to evangelize the lost and see them baptized, and we want to uh, educate the saints, those who are saved, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then lastly, we want to exalt the Savior. Uh, That would be lift up and and, and, and exalt Jesus Christ as the head of, of the church. And so uh, that is the threefold purpose of our church. Now, as we look at this, and I want us to look and focus on baptism. And what is baptism? Well, we see here that uh, it, number one, it is a command given from God. And so God has commanded uh, that, that men be baptized. And so being baptized is simple obedience to the command that God has given us. Just like He's commanded the church to go out and evangelize the lost and to take the gospel to those who are not saved. Listen, He's commanded those who are saved, those who have been saved, to be baptized after they've been saved. And we'll see examples of that. Uh, but understand, hey, it is, a, it is an act of obedience to God. And that is one of the purposes of this church, that we would baptize uh, people. We take the commands of God very seriously. Listen, this book, I've often thought uh, that the, the preaching time is one of the most important times. Why? Not because I'm the one preaching. I've thought that even when other people are preaching, it doesn't matter uh, who's standing behind the pulpit and, and giving the Word of God. If they're the person that God has for us, listen, then uh, that is the most important time. Why? Because God's Word is being given out, and that's part of the purpose of the church. To teach all things. 
So we have a a responsibility to be obedient to those things, obedient to baptism, obedient to salvation, obedient to learning and teaching the Word of God. What is baptism? Uh, As we think about that, what is baptism? It's not only obedience, but it's also immersion. We're going to, you'll see this throughout the thing. I'm just kind of giving us a definition of what is baptism. And in the Bible, uh, listen, sprinkling is never used for baptism. You know the word sprinkling is used over 60 times in in the Bible. And not once is it ever associated with baptism. So where, where does sprinkling come about? I really don't know, but I can tell you this, it doesn't come from this book. I know that for sure. Every time that baptism is used, uh, and we'll see this throughout Scripture, uh, the Bible says that they went down into the water. Now, if you're going to sprinkle somebody, listen, uh, bless God, I have a cup of water up here. You know, if you're going to sprinkle somebody, you can just take a little bit of water and you go sprinkle them like that. You don't need to go down into the water to sprinkle them. Uh, They actually went down into the water. Why did they go down into the water? Because to baptize somebody, it is immersion. In other words, they are being put under the water and brought back out from under the water. Not just sprinkled. I don't know if there's any left. Not just thrown a little bit of water on top of somebody. It's actually going under the water. And so we will see that as we turn to several of these passages. Uh, I will point that out as we get there. But not only is it obedience and not only is it immersion, but I want you to know this as well, uh, that it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's important to understand. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death, therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The idea of baptism is that somebody would be submerged and placed underwater uh, to picture baptism, or picture the death and the burial. And then we bring, we don't hold them down very long. I don't explain all that while they're under. And we bring them back up. Why? So that they can picture the resurrection from the dead, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he gives us the power to walk in newness of life. I've been to a lot of cemeteries. I've been to cemeteries. In Peru, their cemeteries was, uh, were, were quite different. They were unique than what I'm accustomed to seeing. In cemeteries here in America, they're mostly, uh, you know, you go there, there's lots of land, and, and you bury people in the ground. Occasionally, you'll see some, uh, I think they're called mausoleums, if I'm not mistaken, big uh, rooms where they might have uh, several places where there's several families to, uh, buried in, the, in that place, or several people rather buried in that little house-like structure. And, and in Peru, they had walls, big old cement walls. And uh, every wall, they would have a, a little cutout of a casket. And they'd put those people in that, in that wall, and then they would seal up it up with a stone. But I've never seen somebody buried where they just take a little bit of dirt and sprinkle it on them and say, there, they're buried. No, that doesn't happen. 
Um, they always seal them up, and there's a reason for that. And so the idea of baptism, as we see in Scripture, Romans 6, 3, and 4, uh, very clearly shows us that it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's just very briefly, what is baptism? Uh, who should baptize? Well, we see here in our passage, in our text, uh, who should baptize? I believe that Jesus in this passage is giving this great commission uh, to the first local church that Jesus started. And I believe that Jesus, as he started that church, uh, had them, they were sitting down and he was giving them the instructions and he was telling them, hey, that they were, go out, they were to go out and evangelize the world. And they were to baptize those who believed and then they were to teach them the things of God. I believe that Jesus was giving this, these instructions to the very first church. And listen, they carried them out. Look with me in Acts. So we're going to walk through some scriptures here. Go with me to the book of Acts. Save your spot there in Matthew, Acts chapter number 2, verse number 41. In Acts chapter 2, we find it is a very special chapter in, in a lot of regards, but Peter stands up and he preaches a wonderful message from the Old Testament. That's all they had at that time. And he preached about Jesus Christ, and he preached about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And at the end of all of his message, we find this in verse number 41. It says in Acts 2.41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Man, what a Sunday they had. I mean, this is after Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He had spent a little time with the disciples. I think it was 40 days, if I'm not mistaken. And then he had been standing there in Acts chapter 1, and, uh, and he was conversing with the disciples, and all of a sudden Jesus just woof, ascended up into heaven. And, and I, can, I can just picture it. I mean, uh, you've got to understand, nobody had even thought of jetpacks in those days, okay? So they're standing there, and all of a sudden, Jesus just kind of, I don't know if he went slow, I don't know if he went fast, but I do know this, he ascended up into the heavens out of their sight, the Bible says, and, and I can just picture those disciples jaw wide open. I mean, speechless. Even Peter, speechless. Peter, who always had a word for something, just standing there, staring. I mean, speechless. They had never seen anything like that. And Jesus had just ascended. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and, and they started uh, ministering and working and Peter started preaching a fabulous sermon there in Acts chapter 2 and we find that, uh, that uh, after that we find, hey, that they, they had 3,000 people. The Bible says that gladly received His Word and were baptized. And the same day were added unto them. About 3,000 souls. What a wonderful day. Could you imagine? I mean, uh, I don't even know how they went about baptizing 3,000 people in that one day. I mean, they must have had, I mean, all the disciples and, and, and it's, hey, let's do 10 at a time and uh, 12 at a time and, or 11, I guess it would, have, would not have been 12, but uh, uh, let's do 11 at a time and, and baptize. And they started adding people up and, and adding them to the church. And Jesus had given this uh, to the very first church. So who should baptize? Uh, it's the first, the church should baptize. Listen, we don't, 
uh, you don't go out and, and, uh, and tomorrow you're swimming in your swimming pool and your neighbor comes over and says, hey, uh, can I swim? And you say, yeah, you know what? I, the, the pastor was preaching yesterday and it's the church's responsibility to baptize you, so I'm going to baptize you today. Now, it doesn't work like that. Um, and so, uh, so we do find that, hey, it was given uh, to the local New Testament church. And baptism is identification. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 3. We're going to go back to Acts and we're going to walk through the book of Acts just briefly looking at some of those. But in Matthew chapter number 3, we find that, that, that Jesus Christ was baptized. And I find this very interesting as I was looking at this and studying this. And, and we find that uh, baptism is an identification. In Matthew chapter 3 in verse number 1, the Bible says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophets Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. This is the prophet John the Baptist. Verse number 5. And when... Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And he was to go out, and you know the story, that the Bible says that he was to make the, path, the crooked path straight and, and to be the forerunner and announce the very coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he did, he went out, and this is absolutely the first place in the Bible that we see baptism used. And it's associated with John the Baptist. And he was baptizing uh, with the baptism of repentance, the Bible says there. Go with me down as we look at this passage. And, um, and we think about this uh, in verse number 16. No, back up to 13. Matthew three thirteen. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now I want you to notice that Jesus uh, wanted to be baptized specifically of John the Baptist. Jesus did not start His public ministry until after He was baptized. And we find that He was baptized uh, of, of John the Baptist. And listen, what was John the Baptist, what was, what was going on here? John the Baptist was announcing the coming of Christ. He had a message that he was announcing. And the Bible goes on in Matthew chapter 9 and other verses. It says, and Then came unto him the disciples of John. John had quite a few disciples. You see there in, in Matthew 3 in verses uh, six, uh, 5 and 6, rather, that many came out of Jerusalem and Judea, and they were baptized by John. And these were John's disciples. Uh, they, they followed John around and they, uh, they were part of the, uh, that first congregation, if I could say, uh, before Jesus even came on the scenes. And, and they were there, uh, but it was not till John baptized Jesus that Jesus started his public ministry. We find that these were all associated with the message of John the Baptist. We'll find a little bit later as we look that uh, there was one fellow who only knew the baptism of John the Baptist and later uh, he got saved. But I'm just simply saying that it was an identification with a message that is preached. 
John the Baptist baptized people. And he had a message that he gave. And so these people identified with John the Baptist. Not only that, but we find in verse 16, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. That's the phrase I was talking about earlier, that they would come up out of the water. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and light, lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Not only is it an identification with a message that John was bringing, but it was also an identification with God Himself. And God made it very clear that He was pleased that Jesus Christ, His Son, had been baptized. Now, Jesus did not need to repent of sin, but He did need to be baptized because that's what God had told him to do. And this made God happy. And so we find that, hey, he was baptized under John the Baptist. And that, uh, that he is identified with John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist was the, uh, the, the way uh, to, to, to lead Jesus Christ into the ministry. That's what he was designated to do. But it was identification with God. And then the same process as they went down into the water was identification with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So we find all of this right here in Matthew chapter 3. And who should baptize? I believe it's the church that should baptize. So we can see that as well. It's an identification with the church's message and identification with God and identification with Jesus Christ. But I want to spend a little time here as we see who should be baptized. This is what I believe is important. The Bible says that uh, back in our passage in Matthew chapter 8, 28 and verse number 20, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That first teach is, of course, evangelization. And if somebody has not been saved, then they cannot be baptized. And we find that throughout Scripture that, listen, uh, that's the first step to being baptized is being born again. You remember in, in Acts chapter number 8, we won't go there for sake of time, but the Ethiopian eunuch was reading his Bible and, uh, and Philip ran unto him, the Bible says, and, and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, no, I don't understand. How can I unless some man should guide me? And so Philip sat down with the Ethiopian eunuch and he started guiding him and he started to preach unto him Jesus Christ, the Bible says. And he preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And after that Ethiopian eunuch, he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And when he did, he saw some water. And when he saw that water, he asked Philip, he said, Here is water, what doth hinder me from being baptized? What did Philip respond? He said, if thou believest with all thine heart that, uh, well, let's go back and look at it because I don't remember the words exactly. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 35, if I'm not mistaken. 38 is probably the right wording. Acts 8, 38. The Bible says this, verse 37, And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
We find that, listen, uh, it's believers who have been saved. And the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. There is no other salvation. You go on in Acts chapter 9, and we won't read it for time's sake, but Saul was a, a man that was running around persecuting Christians, and, and God appeared to him in the road, of, of, uh, in the road there, and, and he got saved that day. And the Bible goes on in verse number 18, and it says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. He was baptized after his salvation. You go on into uh, Acts chapter number 16 and you find the uh, Philippian jailer. You remember when Paul and Silas were in jail at midnight and they were singing praises and God sent an earthquake and, and, and loosed all of their chains and the Philippian jailer come in and he was about to kill himself. He thought, all my prisoners have escaped. And Paul said, listen, do thyself no harm for we are all here. And he said, and he called for a light and asked them to come forth and and. and Paul and Silas witnessed that Philippian jailer, and that night that Philippian jailer got saved, and the Bible goes on and says after he got saved, he got baptized. You go on in Acts 18 and verse 8, and you can read about more people in, in, in Corinth that after hearing the word, they believed and were baptized, and you go on and on. And what I'm saying is, listen, uh, there's lots of people who have been saved and baptized. Go with me to Acts chapter 18. I do want you to see this one. Acts 18 and verse 25. This one's an interesting one. Apollos. Acts 18, 20, 25. The Bible says, This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of of John. It's talking about Apollos. You can go back and, and read the entire story. Go with me to chapter 19 and verse 1. The story continues. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So they didn't know anything about it, is what they said. Verse number 3. And he said to them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. They had been baptized by John the Baptist. They associated with the message of John the Baptist. They were not aware uh, of the Holy Ghost that had come. And, and so, verse number 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, which is on Christ Jesus. Paul was straightening them out and saying, listen, it's on Jesus Christ that, that John the Baptist preached. John the Baptist said, hey, believe on him that comes after me. And that was Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 5. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This guy got baptized again. Why? Because, listen, a new thing had come along. And it was he needed to associate uh, no longer with John the Baptist's message, though it was a, a good thing. Uh, and certainly it was an introduction to Jesus Christ. But rather he had to be baptized uh, with the association of Jesus Christ. And I think this fellow got saved in this passage and he got baptized. And what I'm saying is, uh, listen, uh, somebody who is saved 
is somebody who can be baptized. That brings us all the way to this. Can infants be baptized? Well, an infant cannot make a decision to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. We understand that. Many people are like, well, I was saved as a, bapti- as, as a baby and I was baptized as an infant. Listen, uh, the Bible doesn't speak of that anywhere throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, it thoroughly leads us to believe that only after salvation can a person be baptized. So an infant who has not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ is not able to be baptized. You say, when can they be baptized? When they are old enough to understand what sin is and, and what salvation is. That's when they can be saved. Well, what age is that? Listen, it's different for every person. I don't know. I know some people understand it around uh, four years old, some uh, five, some six. Some of us are a little bit slower learners, perhaps like myself, and, and it might take us a little longer. But listen, at the point that they actually understand and can trust the Lord Jesus Christ, after that they can be baptized. But before that, there's nowhere in Scripture that gives the idea that they should be baptized. So who should be baptized? Only people who are saved. Let me throw one more thing in here. Does baptism save you? We don't have time to get into it, but I can tell you this. Baptism does not save you. You know why? What about Luke chapter number 23? Go with me. We'll go there really quick. Luke chapter 23. I believe this is important. You need to understand that we uh, baptism does not save people. Luke chapter number 23. In Luke 23, Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross. And you see there, he's hanging with, uh, with two people, the Bible says. Uh, both of them were, uh, were dying justly. And the one man was uh, casting accusations in Jesus' face, saying, If thou be the Son of God, then, uh, then command that we be taken off of these crosses right now, uh, us and you. And, and the other guy kind of uh, rebukes him and says, Hey, uh, listen, you need to be quiet because we're dying justly. We've committed crimes and we are dying because of our crimes. But this man hath done nothing wrong. And he proclaimed that Jesus Christ was innocent. In Luke chapter 23 and verse number 42. Go back to 41. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now, did this fellow have time to get baptized? Nope. He was on the cross. That day he was dying. That day Jesus said, Today... Thou shalt be with me in paradise. So listen, baptism cannot save you. It does not save you. The Bible is very clear that baptism comes after salvation. And so we can look at uh, countless accounts and countless records of people being saved first and then baptized. But understand this, that baptism does not save you. I heard a preacher years ago, and I'll never forget it. He said, he said, even if baptism could wash your sins away, they'd pull the plug and drain the baptistry. And all that water would go right out into the creek. And it'd go down into the creek and the cow would drink it up. And then that cow, they'd go out and milk the cow and, and, and then they'd have all that, the sins right there back in the milk and you'd go to the grocery store and buy that milk and drink that milk and you'd have all your sins back. 
Even if he could wash it away, listen, it would just come right back to you. Listen, that water doesn't wash our sins away. Jesus Christ and His blood on Calvary is the only thing that can wash man's sins away. There's no other way to be saved. So baptism does not save you. It is simply an act of obedience in following and identifying with Jesus Christ after you've been born again. So we see what is baptism. We see who should baptize and we see who should be baptized. And Listen, it's a command of God. He said in, in our text, He said, Go ye into all the world, or go ye and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And it's an important topic. It's all through the Bible. It's all through the New Testament. The, the word baptism is used, baptized or baptism, or uh, well over a hundred times I was looking at the different accounts of, of baptism in Scripture. And I'm just saying that, listen, it's an important topic in the Word of God. And it's something that every believer should be baptized after salvation. It's important. It identifies you with a message. It identifies you with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in obedience to His command. And so I hope that helps us understand the purpose of baptism and the reason to be baptized. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you've never been baptized. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been saved. And you'd like to trust the Lord as your own personal Savior. Listen, that's the most important thing that you can do with your life. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Him alone for salvation, He can save you. And if you'll just call on Him, He'll save you. Maybe you want to pray with somebody or have somebody show you from the Word of God. We'll be more than happy to show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be baptized. Hey, you can come down front and I'll be happy to talk with you. We're having a baptism this morning. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's following the Lord and just being obedient to Him. Whatever the need, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open as the piano begins to play. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. For those candidates who are going to be baptized, if you would go and my wife would go over to the choir room on the side of the piano there, they can get you all set up with what you need for baptism. Right after the service, we'll be leaving and going to Cornerstone Baptist Church for baptism. But maybe God's spoken to your heart this morning. verse.